Good evening. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Enter freely and of your own will. In this episode, you may find many strange things, for the films to be discussed are old, and they have many memories. So, be there. Be there. Greetings, guys. Welcome back to the Bogle Pass Horror Podcast. As always, from Boston, this is Scott. And from a dungeon in LA, this is Jim. And speaking of dungeons, we've got kind of a scary one, <laughs> a little, little strange one for you um, in a major way, I, I would have to say. We'll get into it. 1932's Murders in the Rue Morgue, um, of course, based on the, I'll say loosely based, very loosely based on the loosely, short story. But, but probably the most faithful to the original text of, of any of the the three uh universal films though right that is true they normally they sometimes steal the name but other than that they go off on on its own little yeah i mean way more than the raven (laughs) yeah i mean edgar Allan poe did have a monkey or a gorilla in his story so i guess that's faithful this 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 treads a few moments pretty closely to to the source material that'll be fun to talk about that's fair okay so of all so it's all relative i guess so of all the other adaptations <laughs> but, but still wildly wildly original wildly original the lugosi character of you know yes. created for this story but we'll go into it yeah so closely based on the edgar Allan Poe 19 i'm sorry 1841 story this one's starring of course a wonderful off of uh dracula and almost off of frankenstein we'll get into bella mm-hmm. lugosi as dr morocco uh sydney fox who I guess was Kyle Lemley's junior's mistress, perhaps. I don't oh, know. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Dirt, there's a little dirt there. We we don't have to get into it if you. Greg Bank would know all that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we want to, it's kind of a sordid story. But I hear uh, Miss Fox and uh, Lemley Junior did have a little little thing going on. Okay, but, Lemley um, Junior, not Slummy Senior. Okay, that that's better. That was oh no, absolutely Junior, uh, <laughs> absolutely Junior. We'll make that clear. They're both twenty somethings and yeah, okay, <laughs> and heavy and, yeah, that's a little creepy. Um, Meaning the father, if that was yes. lovely scene. But anywho, as uh, Camille, uh, Leon Ames as uh, Pierre Dupont. And this one directed by uh, Robert Flory. And we'll get yeah. into it. And I, we have to mention, I guess, Kyle Freund, too, who is another one hot off of Dracula as a, the cinematographer. So um, I would love to talk about Frankenstein. I mean, we get into yes. it a little bit with the podcast and anybody that would like to, you know, hear a little bit more about it certainly go back and listen to jim and i's um our episode on frankenstein 31 but let's let's talk about frankenstein because i think that's the origin story of this film right this film is is uh it's a bit of a consolation prize to robert flory and also i guess to to bella lugosi um you know that excuse me um flory had been attached to do uh frankenstein um having come off of doing uh he, he just he Talk about a guy with range. He he directed the Coconuts with the Marx Brothers, Marx Brothers' first filmed you know movie after all their their vaudeville stuff and stuff. So be able to go from that to Frankenstein to to you know the range of the guy. I mean the guy he was a huge talent. Um, and you know we've we've speculated on this like you you look at Rue Morgan, you look at the um, the art direction, you look at the stylization of it, um, and it's very very stylized. It's very inspired by German Expressionism. You can see it in in so many of the aspects of the film um and there's also this heightened uh <clears throat> drama uh dramatic performance kind of thing going on very stage like that i you know you can look at this and 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 kind of imagine what flory's frankenstein would have been like and and you can also kind of see the studio going huh we're 
you know, this is a relatively smaller budget film. Frankenstein was going to be a very large production. And and I, you can kind of see Lemley's going, you know, maybe we go a different way. Maybe we, we find this guy, this James Whale, who's this very celebrated uh, uh, stage director, uh, very much an actor's director, right? Um, and maybe we make this about performance rather than than style, I, I guess. Right. And and not to right wrong, whatever. Honestly, I mean, if right, Scott, I mean, if we could go back in time and, and also get a James Whale, or I'm sorry, a, a, a Robert Flory, Bela Lugosi, Dracula, or uh, Frankenstein, sorry. Um, wouldn't that be amazing to have that alternate reality, you know, just to look at, right? It'd be could. I mean, coming, coming, I mean, that's coming off of Nosferatu with the, the, you know, the German expression, like you said, the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, he really does the right work. But as far as I know, and this would be, again, great episode. I'd love to tap, you know, Greg Mank for this one. But yeah, my understanding is Flory's, um, you know, a lot of his original um, script, a lot of his writing for the original Frankenstein um, maintained that, you know, well kept a lot of what Flory had introduced. Yes. But, for whatever reason, they thought his, you know, his style stylistically or where he wanted to bring Frankenstein was a little bit, a little bit too campy. And like you said, they want a more performance driven. So yeah, Flory was, was ousted. And again, we, we don't have to go on and on and on. If you want to, you know, listen to, you know, what happened kind of with, with Lugosi and Frankenstein, there's so much written. You can go back again, listen to our Frankenstein podcast, but you know, ultimately, as we know, Bella moved on and um, wasn't given the role ultimately given to Karloff. And like you said, this was a consolation prize. And I think going into this film, um, I think Lugosi was more excited to do this than, than Frankenstein. It didn't sound like yeah. he was too hot. I mean, too hot on, on Frankenstein at all as, as the stories go, but yeah, it's not like Bella was really um, interested. He was a, a huge Poe fan, as you can tell from a mm-hmm. lot of his, um, you know, his film choices over the years, but this one on paper should have been, um, you know, I don't say should have been, but I guess, you know, it certainly had the talent to, you know, to, to be a, you know, up there with you know, Frankenstein Dracula and d- didn't quite turn out that way, but we can. We'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, didn't, um, was not a huge success and caused Universal to actually uh, terminate Bella's contract with them. Um, he doesn't eat on Dracula and then he did, he did a few films in between um, uh, that and, and this uh, that I, they're not horror films, so I don't know their names. <laughs> Fair enough. Because, <laughs> you know, but, um, but, uh, but but so you know, following this film, this film comes out very early, uh, 1932. So it might have actually been filmed at the end of 31. You never know. Um, I don't know the production schedule, but uh, Lugosi gets gets cast free, and this is why we get White Zombie and Island of Lost Souls, right? Because he's not under contract Universal anymore. He can go and do whatever, and he has to. He has to go work. So you know, so we have Bella Dracula Lugosi as the state of the law in. Um, in uh, in Alan Lost Souls, which is unfortunate for Bella and kind of fortunate for us because <laughs> we don't because Universal definitely had a thing they wanted him to do and and he did it right. They, they, the 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 post stuff is a great example that like look he he fit this kind of gothic Victorian era more or less period you know horror piece so well just just like a hand in a glove. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we know he was so capable of so much more than that. He was. And one thing you got to say about Lagos, we've said it a million times, he never, ever shortchanged any of his yes. roles. I mean, he could, like you said, Island of, Island of the Lost Souls, that could have been almost a forgotten role. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, fast forward 10 years later when like literally he's just getting these bit parts, but he always brought such uh, this, you know, charisma and screen presence. And he is wonderful as Dr. Morocco. And again, I don't think, again, this is all, you know, subject to, you know, individual taste. He gets to use. I don't think the. I was. I don't think the material 
was worthy of um, Lugosi's performance. I'll, I'll say that. I, yeah, I, I think I think he elevates kind of a B grade film as 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 he did so many times in his career. Um, uh, yeah, he takes he takes what could be awkward and clunky and he gives it some poetry. Right, man. I mean, that's just this the bit with him. We'll get to it in a bit. But the bit with him on the stage doing the actual, <clears throat> you know, carnival, the presentation thing, um, the performance, shall we say, uh, uh, is so good. It's almost my one of my favorite parts of the film is it's just Lugosi up there and imagine you're in the audience and Lugosi's on stage in front of you like it's filmed so well that it, it looks like you're there um, explaining evolution to you. It's like it's like having like the the world's coolest science teacher, right? Totally. Yeah, you want to pinch yourself. I mean, and I'm sure <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw it on Blu-ray, but it is gorgeous. It is so clear, like especially with some I of those do scenes. I have it on Blu-ray. I have it on DVD. I have it on the old Bella Lugosi collection. I've never gone and gone okay. the Shot Factory Blu-ray, which you know it's on the list, but there's lots of stuff on the list. Um, but I, I need to. Um, yeah, I just noticed, dang. especially like you said, in like these early scenes from when we get into the sideshow and a lot of characters and rather than kind of, you know, blurring the lines, every, you know, every face is so crisp and the mm-hmm. audio is spot on. And like you said, he gets in front, yeah. in front of the crowd preaching evolution. Um, you know, we were just, you know, slugs that crawled out of the, out of the, you know, the swamp right. and blah, 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 blah is one. That's like the, the only time I've ever been, you know, I wish I, I wish I had teachers that cool back in high school. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. He's captured them better. With, although I would have made fun of their unibrow, which, which I got to say, <laughs> 1932 was, was a unibrow year for Lugosi, right? I mean, between this white zombie, oh, when he plays zombie. murder Legere and Island lost souls, like, like he spends most of the year with like just one big eyebrow. <laughs> Yeah, you just need the widow's peak. You would have like nailed yeah. it. But, <laughs> no, um, all right. You look so good in this. So I mean, the 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 the, the plot here is is it's confusing, man. And I mean, we can talk through it, but you know, we could take. I guess we'll take a high level overview. So he's basically, uh, you know, a pseudoscientist who has this gorilla named Eric, and his belief is that we are descendants, direct descendants of gorillas, which I think is a popular belief. Um, but his sole purpose in you know this carnival is basically almost um, talent picking a female that he can mix Eric's blood with with hers and seemingly vice versa to create kind of the perfect mate for Gorilla Eric. Yes, and that's pretty much it. Yes, um, uh, you could you could uh, subtitle this film Bella Lugosi meets a horny gorilla. I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you wouldn't be too far off. Um, Bella yeah, goes to meet, uh, Bella goes to meet Scott Kelly. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, it's it it is it's it's funny. I, well, the idea is that um, yeah, the carnival thing is kind of Bella's day job, right? And then that is is Doctor Morocco's day job, and then and then obviously at night he's he's devoted to scientific research. He says, um, and he is trying to prove. I I, I mean. I think the, the proof of his theory will be that if he can mix the blood of a gorilla and the blood of a human and create a viable offspring, eh? um, something like that. Yeah, because uh, it's uh, he proves that that we're that closely connected. But which he... I don't think is right. I I I'm pretty sure you cannot put primate blood, you know, blood of a gorilla, an orangutan, or a chimpanzee into a human and and, and not have it be rejected. I, I don't I don't think that works. I, or I, I feel like we not let's not go there. <laughs> no, right, exactly. But yeah, so he's and it's you know some of these deaths happen off screen, but we come to find out that he's had a lot of failed attempts at injecting yes. women, you know, young ladies with Eric's you know monkey blood. 
and they die. So he is constantly, working his way through this. Yes. Right. He's constantly on the lookout. And, you know, again, the scene opens up. It's, it's wonderful. Paris, 1945 in the sideshow. And, you know, Morocco's in his tent and he's, you know, ready to talk about evolution. And he is so um, upfront with the crowd. He's basically like, you know, I, I'm not here to like entertain you. I'm basically here to collect your money. And all this money's going to research. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he and he says, if you want to see like dancing bears or whatever other silliness, like like you know, I'll give you your money back. You go somewhere else. Right. This, He's just this, unab- this is- unabashedly like just taking that money for his research. Yeah. Um, so it's but- like you're going to the carnival and you accidentally end up having a school lesson, which you know you could see. <laughs> That's not what I paid for. Um, but you know, it's funny. Um, the carnival scene itself is great. Uh. Uh, it's a big scene. It might be the most expensive scene in the film. I think it's, it's a big crowd scene, and there's all this art direction. There's there's belly dance women that that are really neat. There's um, there's a a bunch of uh, there's some Native Americans dancing, and uh, I what in my research, uh, one of them is uh, do you remember Iron Eyes Cody? I do. Scott, you remember yeah. him in, the, in the in the ads about um, by the time Scott and I were coming around, Iron Eyes Cody was really old. And he was um, in these ads that were really popular in magazines and stuff about it's about like littering, right? In the environment. And it, it was it's all him yeah. just crying, probably, right? Yeah. Mid 80s. He seemed to have like a like a yeah, kind of a, a renewal yeah. in his career. But yeah, you saw him every place, even some movies. Um, yeah. Dare I say, like, I think there was like a Ernest Goes to Camp he was in. And I, I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, the man was not actually a Native American. He was married to a Native American, but he was actually from uh, Italy and had Sicilian uh, heritage. Um, so there's some unfortunate uh, <laughs> cultural uh, stereotyping going on here in the beginning and scenes and stuff. But, um, you know, where, where they're there. But this is what you know, again, this is like before like National Geographic TV and stuff. This is what, or even the magazine, this is what, how people experience other cultures is they, you know, they would go to a, someplace, you know, a festival or a, or a world fair or something. And you'd have examples of like, this is how people live in Tahiti. This is how people, and whether or not they're accurate or not, like, you know. Right. Well, they were billed as the, Amer- the American Apache Indians, but yes. they're, the, they're the savages. They're not even right, remotely right, human. Right, they're right. almost like Eric yeah. the chimpanzee. They're, yeah. they're, they're and there's even human. two guys who, who who make this reference that like, oh, Apaches would be a good name for our riverfront criminals. And right. th- that is what uh, the French would call them. That was a nickname the French had for these kind of thugs that lived in the bad parts of town. They called them Apaches. And you see it actually in the scripts of uh, Grand Ganal plays and stuff of, of the period. So I think that's like a little nod to like, oh, maybe this is how that that name, tra- you know, crossed the ocean. Anyway, um, so so Pierre and and Camille are on a date here at the at the fair with with uh, his friend Paul and Paul's significant other whose name I don't know. Um, but, uh, but, but they decided to go in and, and see this Eric, the, the thing, and the, there's this huge, it's great. Like the art direction is there, there's a huge painting of a gorilla on the outside of the tent to go see Eric and, 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 you know, see Lugosi and you have to, you literally have to pass between the legs of Eric to get into the exactly. tent. It's, that- very, it's, it's not really right through his loins. I mean, it's, it's very, yeah, very, I mean, it's, it's in your face, but you don't, you have to look for it. It's great. It's follic loving fog, of, of course, right? You have Camille, yeah. who's you know going to be the future love interest of Eric, who has to literally pass through by his genitals, by the, the yes. painted genitals of yes. this horn, of horny <laughs> Eric. But it, it's yeah. wonderful. It's, yeah. it, um, the uh, and then the, you get to the stage, and then here's here's Lugosi on the stage, and then she's like, "Oh, what a strange looking man! So you don't understand his accent? No, you know." Um, uh, and he's up there on stage, and he and his so so Lugosi's character's name is Doctor Miracle, which. It took me like what, like twenty years to realize it's that it's Doctor Miracle, right? It's just pronounced differently. 
It seems like every character pronounces it just a little bit different. Yeah, like right. it's miracle, but I call it Morocco. And you know. it's like Han Solo. Everyone says it differently. <laughs> <laughs> got to save Han. Um, Han Solo, right? <laughs> but um, and he's got this assistant named Janos, who's played by Noble Johnson. We saw Noble Johnson you know. in The Mummy just recently when we were doing that one. Um, and Noble Johnson's—he's in a wig and he's in, you know, some elaborate makeup. He's kind of in whiteface, really. It's 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 a weird. Uh, thing they're doing with with noble um uh and i i you know i want to talk about noble just for a second um when we did mummy and i didn't have the reference in front of me so you know he's he's an african-american actor he was he was a milestone actor he he you know started in sound films and he actually had his own um production company he had the lincoln motion picture group which made um there were such a thing as race films at the time. Uh, so there'd be films with all African-American actors. Um, a lot of times these films were very, very stereotypical and, and very insulting uh, uh, to people. Um, but Noble Johnson actually made enough money that he started his own production company and he made these films for black audiences that did not have these insulting stereotypes. Uh, I don't, I've never seen one. They're silent films. I've never seen one, but I'd, I'd like to check it out. So he's, you know, he's kind of an important deal and he ends up, you know, it's just a supporting character. But he's a great henchman. He's like in this, he's he's like Lugosi's Igor, right? He, he looks great. I mean, he almost like, you know, a little bit hunchback Notre Dame. He, you know, some stills, he almost looked like Boris Kala from like the Raven. Just something not quite yeah. right with the face. And it's yeah. really cool makeup. But like you said, yeah. it's great. Like, you know, Fritz or Igor to um, yeah. Morocco's character. He never gets a really good close up. And I wish he did. Uh, and that might be so, supposedly. So this film's about 61 minutes long and supposedly like 20 some minutes or something were cut. Uh, and and I don't feel like they've been found or restored or, or anything. So it's unfortunate that I think this there was more of this movie um, more going on that that, that were, so, were lost even before its release. I feel like my version was a little bit longer. And I know, I mean, go, doing my research for this. So some of the cut scenes were the belly dancers, which I mean, obviously you saw mm-hmm. um, some of the death scenes, the stabbing of the woman and the, you know, tying her up onto, you know, kind of the, the restraints. Um, right. But yeah. I think originally this was like almost a two hour movie cut down to like 60, whatever minutes mm-hmm. because of the censors. Yeah. But I yeah. Feel just, like just the Blu-ray was yeah. a little bit, was a little bit longer than I'd have to look, but I feel like it was a good, maybe 80, 90 minutes. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. Maybe I'm watching an abbreviated version. This would be great. Um, uh, so so uh, Morocco's doing his his stage bit, and he reveals Eric, the 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 uh, the ape man, um, which <laughs> is uh, <laughs> um, okay. And so I'm gonna talk about, and I'm surprised, Scott. This guy hasn't come up before on on the the podcast. But because um, because we actually saw him already. So there's there was a a, a guy from the Philippines named uh, Charles Gamora. Uh, Charles Charles was his Americanized name. Um, came over as a as a teenager uh, uh, to 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 America. Um, he was an artist. He uh, got hired as an extra, I think, on the Cheney uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, someone note, realized he could draw, and they said, if you can draw, you can sculpt. And suddenly, Charlie Gamora is a special effects artist working in films um and he works on uh the unholy three with with lon cheney uh he works with the marsh brothers whatever um he's five foot four so he's kind of short and he's a makeup artist and he's kind of apparently like a really physical guy so he he becomes all these apes we see not all of them but a lot of the apes you see in this period it's charlie gamora in the outfit and it's and it's an outfit he made so Charlie Gamora plays when when except for these close-ups we have of a of a of a real ape sometimes in in Murders of Remorg it's uh it's a guy named Charlie Gamora uh, dressed dressed in a costume that he created and doing apparently a lot of his own stunts 
Scott, we saw him in Island of Lost Souls. You beat me to it. He does. He is. Yeah. He's all over the place. He kind of created a little career for himself as like the monkey guy. And again, kind of a, I'd ask kind anybody, of a niche, kind of a niche career, niche right? Guy, yeah. So cool. Google him and see like some of the different, you know, gorilla and ape costumes and I mean mm-hmm. something that takes you out of the movie going back to, you know, merge them really quick, but yeah, the gorilla costume looks great. The faraway shots, as Jim said, are all this, you know, big, you know, big size gorilla, certainly not King Kong, but you know, adult seven, say seven to eight foot, you know, gorilla. And then the close-up shots are clearly like this little orangutan. And then the faraway yeah, shots is giant monkey. And then the close-up shots are like, yeah, he doesn't quite match. Um, that so that is that is true, and I don't know where they got those those close-ups. If they went to a zoo or what, um, it either looks like a, a really adult chimpanzee, or it could be a lowland gorilla. Like there's highland gorillas, which are the ones we we think of when we think of King Kong with the big crest and stuff. And there's lowland gorillas, which are a different breed that that look a little more chimp-like. Um, I think it's a I think it's a, an adult chimp because of the mouth and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah but, he's he's a lot more cute than he is threatening, right? Well, I know that they had a lot of reshoots after the movie was, you know, in you know, mm. I guess at the end of first production. And a lot of the reshoots were these these monkey scenes of close-ups and a lot like and towards the end of the movie, that rooftop scene, which we'll get to, um, a lot of that was just was reshot, not in the original, I'll say not in the original oh. script, but shot in not at length or not as much much detail, which interesting. Yeah. Is it possible maybe there were a lot of close-ups of Charlie in the in the mask and everything, and and someone said, mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe we insert a real one or something to sell it a little better. Who knows? I hope so. We're speculating. Um, yeah, but, but Charlie is great in this film. Um, there's, there's a book out that I actually want to check out. It's called Charlie Gamora Uncredited. Uh, and I think his daughter had something to do with, with his publication and stuff, but I'd like to check it out because the guy That's had a great. really great career. Nice. And, you know, yeah. Scott and I both love our monkey movies. So, you know, oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keep it in uh, the family. So, so, so. Morocco, um, this is gonna be a three-hour podcast at this rate. Uh, <laughs> we'll speed up. Morocco, uh, this is this, this coming up is is actually maybe my favorite moment in the film. Is is uh, Morocco is explaining to uh, the, uh, the 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 crowd all about Eric, and he's like, I, and he's like, you can't understand what Eric is saying, and Eric's chimping, you know, he's making noises, um, uh, and he's like, I will translate, and he goes up to the cage and he starts talking, and he's going to translate what Eric is saying, and he says, I'm. I was kidnapped from the jungle from my family. I'm in the prime of my strength and stuff. But there's a moment where, where Bella Lugosi speaks gorilla. That's so amazing that you really, you almost believe it. Yeah. It's almost like he has this whisper and it's not, it's not what you, I mean, if anybody's sitting there, if you try to mimic an ape or a chimpanzee, that's not what Bella's doing. He's yeah. It's like this, this, this other language, like this, this Star Wars, it, like it, alien like, language, right? It's like he figured out a language that, right. that is a in between language between, yeah. you know, English or whatever, you know, he would be speaking and, and the girl. It's, it's astounding. And I, I really have a feeling that no one, no one scripted or directed him how to do it. I, I feel like this is a Lugosi thing, right? And he does it a couple of other times in the movie, but yeah, he kind of gets up close and, you know, does this, you know, this, this, this dialogue. Simple. And, and then, thing. Oh, but wow. then translates. So he listens back. Eric, you know, yeah. responds back in monkey talk. And like you said, it, he's I was captured by you know hairless white apes. Yeah. And then you know yeah. something that kind of makes this movie a little perverse is one of the things Eric says is I'm in the prime of my strength and I'm lonely. Yes. So oh, yes. let me translate that to you listeners. The ape is horny. <laughs> yes. I'm in, the prime, <laughs> I'm in the prime of my strength. Like literally, his sexual maturity is at yes. its peak, and he's lonely. So now this is basically the plot of the movie. It's to try to find him a mate. 
And um, Bella just does this whole bit so like serious as a heart attack. There's not a, the slightest, you know, twinkle in his eye doing this performance. He he found a way to sell this. It's just and it's again, guys, it's, it's just one of these things that we go on and on about about this guy, his ability. Really um, so just good. incredible. Yeah. So one thing we, we kind of gloss past really quickly. So when the you know the the, the sideshow folks were entering the tent morocco was right at the opening so he immediately spots camille who's this, you know very attractive young lady and immediately asks her to sit in the front row oh yes and so right away he's like you know finding eric's next mate so basically right after you know he kind of goes on this whole thing about evolution and um, you know, man and ape are, are one and you know, mixing the blood. And then the crowd immediately turns on him. Yes, and yeah, he's basically, called a heretic. He's yeah, right, exactly. exactly. But at some point right after this, he basically invites anyone interested to come up and see Eric up close. And of course, to keep the, the story moving along, Pierre and Camille are one of the first ones up there. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. But most everyone's like, we're out of here, you know. <laughs> um, but I love it. This moment, this guy gets up and he's like, heresy. Right, like, right, right. Do they still burn people for heresies? He's unafraid. He's he's doing this on purpose. He he knows what he's saying is kind of flamethrower language of the period. Um, could possibly be flamethrower language in parts of the United States now. Sure. Um, um, but uh, he's welcoming it. I mean, he is uh, inviting the argument, I guess. And he's yeah, he's not afraid. He again, it's the it's the thing Lugosi does so well. Like like Morocco's, he knows he he knows in in his own mind at least that he's superior to these people, and that what he's doing is more important than the lives it costs of these street walking women and stuff. You know, I mean, it's, so there's this great like slow dolly in of him, and he's lit incredibly harshly. And uh, God, he just he just sells it. He's just yeah, it's hilarious, right? I and mean, you can tell like Morocco at this point doesn't care. Like he is so tired of this act. And that's really what it is. Like everything oh, right, right. that everything that isn't injecting blood into a woman and vice versa <laughs> with Eric is an act. And it's you can, he's done this probably way too many times that he has no tolerance for this crowd. And the minute the right. crowd even starts rolling their eyes, he's like, you just see him like switch into another gear. He's like, you know, screw you. You know, I'm smarter than all of you. I'm stealing your money. F off. Yeah, this um, is a means to an end. That That's all it is that's to it. him. Right. Um, and and it, it it works because I mean everyone gets up and leaves. Uh, even you know even Pierre and and Camille's friends want to kind of go, but Pierre's like, no, let's go. So Pierre is a um he's a medical student. Um uh, which which I don't think in the period like we we think medical student, we think like he goes to college and he hasn't gotten his degree yet. But but it's eighteen forty five, so I don't think you really get a degree yet. I think he's still. I I think medical student translates to he's like a he's his own type of medical researcher. Right. It's yeah, it's a little gray. He's yeah. kind of a medical. It's not like he's like studying for a, 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 a test or something. He's he's yeah. actually studying medicine in in that he's studying, you know, actual science. Um right. Yeah. It's almost like Henry, um, like almost like Henry Frankenstein's like kind of doing his own thing. Right, 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 right. But so at the same time, he's, he's kind of like a junior detective, which we, we kind of find which out. Which is interesting. And he, we find out he is sort of he is interested in in all these women that that are being found um in, in the river and, and whatnot all around Paris. Um uh, but but it it makes it's really good writing because it makes sense. Like why why is he interested as opposed to everyone else not? You know he 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 sees a hint of that Morocco might be onto something, right? Do do I dare say he might be the first Batman? Is that too <laughs> a little bit, a little bit? And, <laughs> come and, on, and, doctor, and, scientist, detective. Yeah, no, exactly, come on, exactly. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, I, I, I buy it. Um, uh, he's played by Leon Ames, who had a long career all the way up into the 80s and, and, and stuff in, in TV shows and everything. I think he's in, in, he's in Dallas and stuff. I mean, you know, yes. he goes on and, for a while. Um, and, hate, and hated this movie. He did? Oh, hate, wow. I didn't know that. Hated this, this movie. Yeah, he's there was some interview with him back in like the 80s. And he's like, the sometimes, you know, sit, like I guess when they started, you know, replaying this um, right. of, of Remote on TV and he'd see it come on or a commercial and he would say, you know, this is here just to haunt me. Like he had, he had no love for this film. He's got a beginning of his career, and yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I get it. Um, ironically, I will, I will say that that Pierre. We, I mean, Scott, we always joke about this like useless protagonist in these movies. I, I would say Pierre's a really good protagonist. He, he, you know, you know, Mara, you know. Uh, so, so, so Eric eats uh, Camille's hat, and Morocco offers to replace it, and he says, "Just tell me where you live," and I, whatever, and. Pierre's onto him right away. He's like, she's not telling you where she is. Right. Like, absolutely. Yeah. He's the thing. Yeah. He is like, he's a protagonist, but he's not like a chauvinist. Yeah. Like, like um, Dracula's daughter. Like the guy was just such an ass. Like this guy is like yeah. respectful of his woman, but at the same time he is like, he's protective, but yeah, he's, he's yeah. a protagonist. Like, but, but, but he's also, he's, he's, he, he recognizes a, th- a latent threat right away. He's not, he's not, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 Jonathan Harker wandering around like vampires. What, what's going on? Where's the, <laughs> there's a bat here. How'd that get in here? You know, he's not clueless at all. And he does hunt down Morocco. He, you know, at the end of the spoilers at the end, he, he figures out where he's taken Camille. He, he just can't get the police to understand what he's, he's onto. It's a, he's a really good detective and he does, you know, chase, them up onto onto the roof and stuff. He's very heroic. So you know, for once, we really do get a really good like. As opposed this in like uh, Mysterious Island, right? We get like pretty good here. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, no, he is a really interesting character in this movie. Yeah. And um, yeah, and as Jim had mentioned, the ape. You know, that just basically they need a, a way to tie Morocco in to Camille. So what better way than to have Eric basically destroy her bonnet? He you yeah, know, Eric, Camille gets too close to the bars. Eric reaches out, grabs a bonnet. And uh, Morocco wants to replace it. And of yeah. course, you know, and, 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 of, being... and of course, Pierre tries to get it back and, and Eric starts strangling. So Eric <laughs> is not interested in, in the competition, right? No, 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 no. He's a, yeah, Pierre's a latent threat to his mate. So yeah, yeah. He long story that. short, um, Morocco wants to um, replace the bonnet and asks for um, Camille's address and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, long story short, as you said, Jim, Pierre, you know, basically just totally cock blocks them. They leave. Yeah. So Morocco has, um, Oh, J- um, shit. Janos? Yeah, Janos. Yeah, Janos. Janos. Yeah, it's something like that. So Morocco has Janos, um, his follow assistant, him, yeah. follow him back home to, to you know get her address, which comes into play just a little bit later on. Yeah. We have some amazing exteriors, which are uh, John Fulton, of course, is the is the special effects artist, uh, you know, the, uh, who's who's doing not the makeup, but the actual like like visual effects like this. So he does the cities and the things. Um there's just some amazing shots of like 1845 Paris of like the carriages going down the thing and it's all smoky and you've got these kind of like multi-story houses and and you know church steeples like Notre Dame or something in the background that that none of that is there. This is all matte paintings and glass like uh, you know uh, uh like like miniature front special effects. And and for the most part I I Scott I do need to get this in Blu-ray cuz I need to watch some of these scenes in in that cuz they're they're totally viable. They're really good looking. It's pretty. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of Nosferatu. Like, we coming off yes. of wonderful films that we love, like Dracula 31. Yeah. And they're very, you know, 2D, a little bit, you know, suffocating and stuffy. This, this isn't this. This is another, feels like a really open, <laughs> real world film. Uh, yes. Like said, yeah. No, it, it doesn't feel like it's uh, on a soundstage at all. It's great. Not at all. Um, I love Lugosi rolling around in a carriage and 
with the gorilla in the back. There's, there's a moment where it rolls away and the gorilla's arm is like hanging out the window. The thing just is like, so there's a moment where there's a guy just rolling around in a carriage with a gorilla in the back. His big hairy arm just you know, rolling around Paris. And it's, oh my God. Give Charlie Gamora a ride. Oh my God. I started God, dying. I, I forgot that was in there when I'm watching for this podcast. I started dying. Yeah. So oh you can God. see Leon Ames looking back on this and going like, oh my God. But like, again, this is, this is Lugosi embracing what is really preposterous but 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 taking it so seriously that you take it seriously did you buy right. it and that's that's his art it's He's just a total pro just, yeah um, yeah um so, yeah i mean you mentioned lugosi rolling around a carriage so we're getting to a scene now that was that was cut pretty badly from the, with the sensors and this is you know we're getting to it with the the prostitute yes. um so she there's a prostitute on this on the streets you know we're in foggy london who knows how we'll call it midnight well, paris right I'm sorry, London cheese. Yeah, that's okay. um, foggy Paris, uh, midnight, very, very dark. And there are two men. Um, I don't know if they're fighting over the same prostitute. Something's going on. One is the pimp and a, a John. Who knows? Yeah, so that's, my, having, that's how I took it. Yeah. Yeah. There's two men having a knife fight and a prostitute's looking on, and they basically kill each other. And um, Morocco rolls up, and this took me right, you know, back to like Dracula's daughter. That you know, we have this cold, um, you know, prostitute and you know, being off oh, yeah. the warmth of a carriage. Right. I mean, obviously, right, it's that's right. Dracula's daughter, but I'm sure those, you know, probably lifted from this film. So yeah. Morocco offers his prostitute, you know, the warmth and protection of his carriage. And um, let's see, unlike Dracula's daughter, she did not want to go. No, he he really kind of takes her against her will. Um, it uh, I think this I think this pure thing here is is from I think I think we saw it in Phantom of the Opera in the Cheney version uh, where this this takes place. Right. Right on the banks of the Seine, uh, you know, supposedly. Um yeah, it's really foggy. It's it's I I think it's actually I think they filmed it foggy and then I think they superimposed some fog on top of it because there's a there's kind of a graying of the texture of the thing and I think because it's it's like the fog's blowing a million miles an hour but but no one's clothes are blowing that much it's interesting but wow something's really going on um it also it's also very jack the rippery right i mean he's basically kind of being a jack the rippery he's going after these prostitutes and, and killing them so it's all it's yeah. got this very uh you know uh thing um yeah uh he takes her back so the the prostitute is played by someone her her name's arlene francis uh and yeah she did she had a really long career she was in she was in harvey with with uh you know Jim, jimmy store she was in the thrill of it all and stuff she's also in maybe my favorite titled movie of all time with orson wells too much johnson um but uh but yeah uh she she um she has a big career so so yeah she's brought back to you know uh, morocco gets her you know leads her to a carriage and brings her back and and basically crucifies her right i mean he kind of ties her to this giant x cross thing um for his experiments and his experiments are he's going he he basically uh, he takes a scalpel and i think he kind of cuts off a bit of her arm like a little tissue with the the from the wound later on that we see it looks like he takes off like the top couple layers of skin and and gets the blood and stuff um to examine and and, and as in the hopes that he's going to have a a possible match for eric it's it's like it's like i don't know if you still have to do this in the old days when you when you got married you had to go get a blood test right so i think it's to prove you weren't cousins (laughs) (laughs) or or that you know supposedly that you're your pairing would would i guess the idea was it might keep you from having a a kid with with issues or something uh i don't prove you or to prove you are cousins, depending on part of the country you're in, because that might be what you're looking for, actually. But that may be. Um, <laughs> um, didn't this but, bring you? Does this bring you like to like like Black Hat? That same oh, yeah. scene is in, it's it's nasty, and you can see why. And this is pre pre Hayes Code, yeah. but you know, a few short years later, you can see why the censors really sliced and diced 
some of these pie. I mean, she's like, as I said, Jim, tied to this board and just being, you know, injected and, and cut and well, it, just cut at. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's just like slicing. He's not, you know, <laughs> not giving her any aesthetic or something like that. Um, <clears throat> this his lab sort of area, I suppose. I guess the idea is it's in this condemned building. Um, is where Morocco set up his his thing, and it's right by the river. So when he's done with the ladies, he can open up this trap door beneath them, and they kind of drop down into the river, and that's where you know as the story goes on, we start realizing they're they're being found floating in the river. Um. Uh, and this is where maybe you can help me explain. So I am prostitute tied to the board. So he's injecting blood. He's already taken blood out of her because he's analyzing her blood. So basically, long story short, she dies because her body can't isn't going to accept the blood of, of Eric. Yes. Um, but the whole time frame, I'm not sure exactly. So when she was brought into this room and, and tied down, she... Her blood was, I guess she was injected with Eric's blood. And then he had, she had blood taken out and that's when he determined it wasn't going to work. And then, but then she dies. Like she, when he realizes her blood, as he calls it, your blood is rotten, rotten because of sin and your beauty is a lie, everything. She's yeah. still alive. So yes, my, my yeah. guess is he injects her with Eric's blood, then takes a, a sample out, realizes it's bad. And then within, you know, 10 seconds, she's dead. She, she dies of the things he's he's done to her. Yeah, I, I, that, I'll i buy that. I don't know. It's it's pretty unclear, like what his you know, actual scientific process is. But um, the 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 it's not really subtext it's just what they can't say out loud at the time the idea is that she has syphilis and because she's a prostitute that's why he says her blood's run right he says this is the this is the cost of your sin or whatever right. um it's that she's got a sexually transmitted disease which syphilis was at, in 1845 in, in a city like paris syphilis was very very common uh and it usually was transmitted through sexual interaction with with women of the night i guess is is how they're credited in this sure thing. <laughs> um yeah but she does die she's uh uh she's really beautiful with this i mean not to say that she, when she's tied up she's all beautiful but she really uh she really looks great in, oh in she's very thing. elegant yeah 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 absolutely yeah. um but yeah just it's so um you know just his disrespect for human life or even human death the human remains like the minute she passes on he looks at Giannis and just says get you know be rid of her or get rid of her well, well, she, well, it, there's a beat before that, though, where he gets down on his hands and knees and he, and he, and he kind of prays. It's really mm. weird. It's an interesting, you know, there's this amazing still where there's this woman and she's based, she's basically crucified on, on, an, on a cross. It's a X yeah. cross, but you know, hey, um, and, and, and there's, there's Morocco kneeling in front of her like like a saint i mean there's this very i there's no way this is an accident i think flory is sort of trying to say some some stuff here um it's really an interesting moment and stuff and it's lit beautifully again it's a flory uh, just a just a visual master um wow but then yeah he's like all right we're done dumper yeah it's true i mean there is some something purposely done by flory because there are there are a number of crucifixes throughout the movie yes absolutely yes. have i mean you think of like um bride of frankenstein and the hermits right um, you know, Hermit's house and that crucifix is definitely lit towards the end of this. And same with this movie here. Like there are crucifixes in the room that are absolutely overlit in, in Camille's room. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. You're definitely supposed to be like noticing that crucifix in Camille's room. That's for sure. sure. Um, some great bits and he, where yeah, he cuts her free and then yeah, this trap door opens and he just dumps her in the river and you hear the splash and stuff and it just slow dolly out. And we see Lugosi just, you know, Lugosi could, it's, there's not a lot of actors. And I run into this too, like actors who can just stand there and not do anything and still be interesting. And Lugosi just, you know, we, we track out and he's just staring at where he just dumped the girl into the river, this you know hole in the floor. And it's, we know what he's thinking. It's really amazing. It's just a great shot. Like, wow. Yeah. No, um, it says to, says to his assistant, 
get rid of it. You know, yes. Like, not, yes. not her, yeah. not, you know, get rid of the woman, get rid of whoever, get rid of it. It's just a, you know, just yes. a, a piece of material that he doesn't right. need anymore. Right. You know, so this is the beginning of sort of the mystery part of the, of the, the story, which, you know, the, the, the Poe story, Mers the remark is it's at its heart, it's a mystery. And it introduces this character, C. Auguste Dupin, um, which is a bit of a prototype of Sherlock Holmes. They kind of think to some degree, Conan Doyle obviously read Poe's story and sort of modeled this idea of this, this, this new idea of this detective who deduces, um, you know, real deductive reasonings from, from this. Yeah. And there, there are other source materials for, for Holmes as well. And I'm not saying it was just the Poe story, obviously, but, but you do see the, the matrix of, of, uh, of Holmes in C. Auguste Dupin. Now we don't have C. Auguste Dupin in this film, but we have Pierre Dupin, who, again, we said like, is, he's a medical student, but he is sort of, he's a medical detective. He's like Quincy, right? He is. Yeah. He's, make he's, a reference that only Scott and my generation will get. Yeah. No, <laughs> Exactly. He's, he wears like he wears a couple of different hats here, and that's what makes it a little confusing. Is he is he a true detective? Yes. Is he a student? Is he a little bit of everything? I mean, there are part, you know later on in the movie, he's literally grabbing guns from police, and, right. you know, running after, and you know, the police are just so happy just to, to follow him. So, is is he a, is he truly a licensed detective? I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't, I don't think so. Um, but uh, I mean, he's commanding the police force. You're like, no, you stay here. All right, hold on. Let me, I'm just going to take your gun and run away. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah follow him. The gendarme right. just like, okay. Right. Um, uh, there's a, the morgue scene is a, an amazing scene with this, this morgue attendant sitting in front of this, this just, it's a, it's basically a big square and there's a giant cross over him and stuff. It's just, um, the art direction. Again, it's just, it's, it's astonishing. And this film, Flory stuff is just great. And Carl Freund shoots the heck out of it. So, Hey, yeah, um, so good, but uh, yeah. moving cameras and everything. Yeah. So, so yeah, Dupin goes to the morgue and he, apparently Dupin spends a lot of time in the morgue. We, we have a little bit later on where we talk about his, his, his uh, roommate, Paul is quite an, uh, upset at how much time he spends down at the morgue. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's, they've got a very interesting relationship, but so it's funny. Yeah. As you know, we mentioned before, so Morocco's um, his lair, we'll just call it is right mm-hmm. abutting the river. So, you know, doesn't need the, the dead prostitute anymore dumps her body in the river shortly after found by, by the police or by found by yes. somebody it immediately brought to the morgue. So the coroner is basically working with, I'm assuming one of the, the policemen, and, you know, we ask, you know, what's the cause of death? And immediately they say drowning, which comes into play just a little bit later. Right. So the cause of death is drowning. And the coroner asks occupation and the police or whoever just says, yes. Yes. <laughs> which and, that's is, un- and that's understood that she's a woman a, of the night. A reference to the, the world's oldest occupation thing that, they, right. that people joke about. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, she's laid in bin 13, which is, there's a great little 13 mark on the, on the wall there. Um, and, and so, so, uh, Dupin shows up and he, he's, he's going to perform, uh, he would like to perform kind of an autopsy. He'd like, he, he wants like a tissue sample sent to him. Um, and the, uh, the morgue attendant, of course, I can't do that. Of course, you know, and he, and he, and he bribes the guy with, with money. Um, yeah, but, but notices, uh, but notices every girl has the same mark. Like all, all dead, all, all three right. are dead. Or actually, there's only two at this point, I believe. Oh, oh, because he no, no, he comes to see the two girls again, the right. the, the bodies, and then finds there's been a third now. So now, third. now it's like a pattern. Now, now he's getting it, and no one else is figuring this out. You know, the 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 morgue or coroner or whatever you know that that this guy would be, um, and in his official title or the gendarmerie or the the the, the you know the the police or whatever, um. Yeah, no one's figuring out. Dupin's the only one like hunting this mystery down. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone. 
yeah, basically just, you know, young women found drowned, but the connecting, you know, piece is this like a triangular mark on their arm. Exactly. Almost looks like a burn mark. So of course, you know, Batman, Pierre, yeah. the deuces, well, obviously they're connected now. And then, just like right, Quincy. Just like Quincy. <laughs> um uh this guy named uh darcy corrigan plays the morgan and he had he had little bit parts in uh invisible man and bride of frankenstein he's just a, he's a very tall narrow older dude and he's got this like giant nose and stuff he's just got a great look um i don't know what other as far as the universal oeuvre um what other parts he had that that he got to do as much in this because now so so Pierre goes back to his apartment where he lives with Paul and Paul's making macaroni and they're poor. And there's a lot of back and forth dialogue that, okay, you know, it's fine. Um, but the mortgage attendant shows up this, this, uh, character played by, by, by Darcy Corrigan. And, uh, and he's really funny, right? I mean, he's like, Oh, he, he's smelling the macaroni and he's like, Oh, I had to, I had to leave. and I didn't have time for, for lunch. Right. But he could be, I mean, he could be walking into like a husband and wife's apartment yeah. is something very it's very domestic yeah it's very domestic it's you know i mean if without knowing that pierre and camille were an item you would yeah. just assume that they were a gay couple which i mean obviously at this time 1932 probably wasn't going to be put on film but right you know they absolutely are i mean there's no there's no question about it like they really are they they bicker a little bit and and pierre right. doesn't listen to paul and paul's right. very paul paul plays it very much in 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 that way and i think that was the, that was there was a yeah i think that was, that was intentional he's a little feminine he's like a little feminine he's he's the cook but he's he's always he's on top of pierre you make sure you eat your dinner make sure you <laughs> go to bed on time he's kind of like, nagging him a bit he's, yeah, like, he's, he's like the mom he's like the wife he's, he's like the wife yeah. of the relationship right yeah no he's, he's a very good uh he's wearing the apron and stuff so um yeah <laughs> but uh no but uh and then and then he does have this funny scene where the the morgan the uh, uh paul does have this great line where um uh the the morgan wants more money and paul's like i don't or pierre's like i don't have any more money but you'll have to you know trust me and um and paul's like yeah yes the the morgue will have to give us credit right exactly <laughs> it's, it's very i mean it does the comedy works it is funny it's and it's still funny it doesn't date too too badly it's it's quite the timing's good uh the actor who plays paul is really um he's on with his thing he's 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 doing it right he's really good he's super good but you mentioned the big nose of the of the uh of the oh, yeah. worker but he comes in and there's a side profile of him smelling dinner and you've got that big snoz you know, yeah, just he's, sniffing. He's probably pretty good at smelling, right? Sucking a in lot his, of olfactory space there. To, right. He's just sucking up. in the sucking um, in the aroma of dinner. Yeah. But he looks trying. like a, he's like an older John Carradine already. Like he he yeah. looks you know a lot like him. He's, he's he, but he, his humor is really dry. It's really he's good. good. I, I'm glad we get we get him in this. And he's got a great. It, it pays off at the end so well with the when when Morocco ends up in the in the more spoilers guys. It's 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 a good moment. It's really uh, we good. repeat the bit with the uh, the prostitute. It's funny. That's good filmmaking. But he's um, just, he's trying to drop every hint he can that he's damn he's hungry. He'd like to he's like like to eat. Yeah. And Paul's having none of that. Like you said, it's just really it's good comedy. And I forget exactly what Paul mentioned. Basically, kind of you know you know ushers him out of the house and say you know geez thanks for coming by. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure the dinner you're going to have at home will be equally. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure you'll you'll have to. Um, thing. Um, it's really funny. Um, so so Paul is. Or Pierre, I, I keep mixing them up because their names are similar. Uh, Pierre is sort of onto something, and and he's trying to. Paul's good because Paul Paul is sort of like the Robin to his Batman, right? And and this is this thing where you need somebody for the hero to explain what's happening too, like what his research is. You know, right? Robin, exactly. I've I've discovered. You know, the bat the bat telecomputer has revealed that that right? Um, we're dating ourselves with the '60s Batman, as well, the Adam West as well. Um, but yeah, uh, it's true. So now with this, so with this blood sample that's brought in by. 
the more it worked. And now, you know, Pierre has been able to run a separate experiment to determine that there is no water in the blood of mm. this third prostitute. Right. So which, she didn't drown. Right. She didn't drown. So there's something else going on. So now the wheels start really churning in his in Pierre's head. So now we have little miniature, de- our, you know, junior detective doing his thing. Right. Right. Um, so, so there's that. And then now we have this, um, it's not my favorite scene in the movie, but it's, it, it, I guess it's necessary. Well, let's call it the bonnet, uh, uh, subplot, right. Um, where, uh, Camille discovers that a package has been delivered and it turns out it's, it is a replacement bonnet for the one that Eric, the ape man destroyed. Um, and, and Morocco has sent it and he sent it along with a note saying he'd love for her to come visit his, his place, uh, later that night. Um, and I, I guess, you know, He's going to explain what he's doing to her or, or something. I'm not sure. Okay. I actually wrote down just because it's so freaking creepy. So <laughs> I, I paused the movie and wrote okay. verbatim what this card says. So yeah, Mor- uh, Morocco sending Camille this you know bonnet. So before she opens up, there's a card. So <clears throat> quote, you are lovely. And again, guys listening, you have to remember, like they've literally met for like two minutes. Yes. Her boyfriend was almost killed by this ape. He's a creep. So now all of a sudden she's getting a, you know, a present in the mail. Quote, you are lovely. Who knows what the future holds for you? Great things are written on on the stars. Yes. Not in the stars. On the stars. Eric and I will read them for you. Eric the <laughs> Ape. Okay. Tonight, the carnival. Come. Come. Finally, Dr. Morocco. So I, I just. And Eric, Eric doesn't get to co-sign the card. Um, no, but Eric will read. Well, Eric will read the stars for. Yes, it's interesting. Yeah. I, you know, there's 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 this uh, implication that uh, Eric uh, or that in, in evolving and you see this in other things. And, and, and I always think it's a neat idea is that in somehow in evolving, humans have lost something. Right. This, this some abilities that we had when we were more primitive. Uh, we've traded them in in return for having opposable thumbs and wearing pants and you know talking on telephones and stuff. Um, and I think the implication is that somehow Eric, because Morocco can communicate with Eric, Eric has these secrets that that we have lost or forgotten, and and Morocco can translate them and stuff. So I think that's his kind of you know idea. But it's yeah, no, it's it it's a creepy note, and I don't I don't I don't feel like it's a note anyone would say. Yeah, sure, I'll I'll go. That sounds great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not at all and to know. her credit she doesn't she's you know a little bit weirded out but yeah speaking of weird now not we get enough. into this like showboat part of the movie yeah like, this musical what what's going on here? this is what i was talking about about that the bonnet era era so yeah. so yeah so they all apparently they all go to this picnic in the park and they all ride ponies there and there's a whole bunch of different uh suitors trying to court uh women there and there's a little montage of them all trying to kind of basically get in the girl's skirts you know it's um, weird because well she's in her apartment looks out the window and there's like 10 of them i think one of them is paul right and they're yes. all on horseback yes and they start singing they start singing the street and then she sings back yeah and it's like i'm it's like something out of like showboat or something yeah they i guess they had to get a song in there maybe maybe uh maybe something. our actress was was a good singer and 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 lemley jr wanted to you know, give her a chance to, to, to sing. Um, you know, it's very much typical of like more like a regular type film, you know, you know, Scott, we, we delve in this much darker subgenre of cinema from the, from the period, but you know, there were whole films that just, this was all that was going on. It was <laughs> these, these park scenes and love stories and stuff. Right. Um, it's a nice repast from the darkness of Morocco's lair and everything, you know, and it does, but it furthers the plot. Um, where you know uh, uh, Pierre realizes that he sent her the bonnet. She's she's bragging about the bonnet, and and you know 
oh, who's who sent it to me? And there's a funny, there's a couple of funny lines where she's making him guess who sent her the bonnet. And 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 he he's his first guess is uh on honore the poet, which I I think it's a reference to Balzac. I think it, it's a joke that she she somehow knows Honore Balzac because he was around at the time, the the, sure. the the playwright. Um and then he says that butterfly collector Moreau, <laughs> which which has to be a reference to 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 Dr. Moreau, right? I has, it, well, I think yeah, I think um, Flory did a really nice job, like with Easter eggs, yeah. and you know, thinking back to like Pierre's apartment. If you look on the wall, there's like um, silhouettes of Edgar yes. Allan Poe, at least right, one right, of them. Right, there's Poe I, drawings literally on the wall, yeah, on the wall. So he's really cool, like the early, will call like early cinema Easter eggs. So this yeah. is not by mistake, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, there's there's a, there's a lot of winking going on here, and and it is really fun. Um, there's also this wild shot where where um, Camille's on a swing, and and Pierre's pushing her on this this swing, and the camera's connected to the swing, so we're we're, we're having like swing POV where we're going back and forth, and the shot goes on for a little while. It's a really yeah, I was hoping like, you like that took a bit that that took some doing, and it's a great effect. I was hoping you were going to mention this, Jim, because I don't remember like quite a POV shot like this during this time in, in cinema. Yeah, I mean, you get them, but but not quite. I mean, this is pretty early. You get them more in the later 30s. You get a lot of stuff in in like, well, you get into Citizen Kane and stuff, but Third Man or whatever. But um, uh, but I think what it does is it 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 takes what could be this very bucolic, you know, placid scene, and it does something. It lets you know like like something's off. Like like you a pleasant happy scene like this you don't film from that perspective as much i don't i wouldn't at least i don't know um and so it clues you in that like something's coming this is this is this is mm. this is not what what it, it it is on the on the surface of it it's a great shot it's really it's a really neat effect it, is, it like can get says, a little nauseating if you watch it too long <laughs> but it is really fun and the minute she mentions oh morocco sent me the bonnet and then Pierre reaches out and grabs the, you know, the 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 yeah. swing and swing time brings, is over. Brings it to a halt. <laughs> exactly right. Playtime is over. What do you mean Morocco is, you know, sending you gifts? Right, right. Um, he's 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 jealous, but he's also concerned. very suspicious. Yeah, I mean, he went you know, through the whole. He was there in the in the in the tent when he went through that whole, you know, raving speech. So he knows this guy is probably a lunatic. Who yeah. now knows where his fiance or girlfriend lives? Right, right. He's not comfortable with this. So he he goes to the carnival. Which is which is packing up to to go. The carnival's over, and all the guys are like rolling up the tents and stuff. Um, and he uh, and he he goes to to the tent. Which is what's great is that there's a there's like a steamer chest thing that has mm-hmm. Eric's name on it. So it's like Eric has his own <laughs> he has his own like box of his stuff that goes. It's probably got like all the bonnets he's stolen from women and, and stuff, like full of bananas and yeah, <laughs> yeah full of bananas. Um, uh, so uh, so so Pierre goes to visit. Um, Morocco and Morocco's sitting there doing his his actual work, right? There's there's no more customers anymore. He's there actually doing his his actual research, and he's kind of talking to to Eric. And I think Eric's getting on his nerves. Actually, he's like, "Calm down, Eric." He's, but he's, I and I like the scene we mentioned it before. Pierre being you know being proactive. Yeah, David Manners would not do this and drive it <laughs> right. He <laughs> is taking the bull by the horns. He knows there's a you know creep bothering his girl. Yeah. And what is he? He's not going to be like, oh, I'm sure maybe maybe he'll leave you alone. He's like meeting this this creep head on. Yeah, I, I, that's great. He's confronting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, that's great. It's you know if you heard what I was saying a minute ago, like it is kind of it's kind of re- a, a dark reflection of Pierre and Paul's domestic like relationship living together. It's Morocco and Eric, and he's like Eric, not now. I'm trying to work. Yeah. <laughs> like Interesting. Eric's right. pestering him. It's, right. it's, it's their domestic life. Um, you know. Interesting. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, uh, so he, yeah, he kind of confronts, but he's also, he's interested. He's asking Lugosi about his, his research and if he's published and he's everything. And Lugosi's, you know, have you published anything? And he's like, not to be read. <laughs> he's, yeah. uh, uh, Morocco was very careful about protecting uh, the secrets of what he thinks he's discovered. Yeah. And I thought like, so before the scene happened in my mind, I, re- I kind of remembered how it was going to play out. And I was convinced that Pierre was here basically just kind of BSing him. But seeing the scene again, I think P, like Morocco's work is really intriguing to Pierre. Like I think the yes. questions he's asking, he's legitimately curious. I, I think I think he is. So so there's more than one thing going on at the same time here between in the scene between these two characters, which is which is like advanced storytelling. This is really like so so I I, I mean this this might be like you know like I love Black Cat for all of its elements as an element i think that's my favorite lugosi and and lugosi's character that's my favorite lugosi poe film of the the three he did for universal Mm -hmm. but this might be i think my favorite poe adaption universal did like yeah if that makes sense you know what i mean it's certainly the closest to his work absolutely yeah yeah yeah. but but also i just think the 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 character lugosi gets to play is is you know he he, again like we say like you know some of the material the the film is better than than the script right 100 percent yeah, the actors yeah. better mean, than this. Visually, the performances, the direction, everything—it's it's that's right. It's it's better than the, the script's compromised by some things. Um, but but Morocco really does get a few moments. Uh, uh you know, Logosi gets a few moments as Morocco to to not be uh, this this fiendish like you know criminal guy, and to really like you kind of get that this guy's a a frustrated scientist. That that you know again like it's it's that typical thing where like you know the 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 medical community or the, the biological community or whatever like that. You know he's too far advanced of them. He thinks, and they don't understand. Was it's the Frankenstein thing, right? I mean, it's, um, so all this stuff is coming out of his frustration. He's like, "Fine, I'll prove it on my own. I'll I'll work in a carnival. I'll I'll work by candlelight because I can't afford a lamp or anything. And you know, my best friend will be a gorilla." <laughs> so there, in, there you go. But yeah, so you know, he's so Morocco is trying to convince Pierre that he's he's leaving. He's leaving Paris, never to right. be seen again. And as you know, in Pierre believes him he's like okay good riddance to you you know at least you're gonna right. be out of my life and out of uh camille's life but as pierre's leaving he overhears a couple of the the workers who's packing up you know they're packing up basically the sideshow saying oh no don't take that box dr morocco isn't leaving which right yeah yeah so, so he finds out morocco's lying which which now that's the second time you know he's, he's told morocco not to not to send the bond and, and Morocco did it anyway. Now Morocco's lying to him. So he's, you know, there's, there's a reason he's suspicious of, of him. And now he's, he goes back and he's hanging out with Camille and, and it's like dusk and Morocco's standing in the street watching them make out, which is, you know, okay. It'd be creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a great moment where they're sitting there and, 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 and maybe it's before this, I, I don't know. And they're on the, they're on Camille's balcony and, and he's like, look, look at this wonderful Paris. and 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 it's this it's this german expressionist hellscape of like totally like it looks like it's like a bombed out city it's right it was like black it's like black cat it was like the opening scene on the train from like black cat right yeah (laughs) post-apocalyptic like paris yeah real paris was it's much prettier than that it's it's really um uh it's it's like gothic you know hanging over like 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 things and stuff so anyway it's really funny it's like two like two buildings and it's like the like the least like least beautiful thing in this whole movie it's like, yes, oh, my, yes. my my wonderful city of paris like oh, yeah really? no it's re- it's pretty funny um uh he leaves he 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 requests camille um uh lock the door behind her um which she, i guess she doesn't always lock it uh and you know because he, he's worried about her and 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 legitimately so um 
because as he leaves, here's Morocco like staring at her. So um, here's the part where we get into the, you know, there's about a 10 minute section of this film that actually is it, it, this, the part we were talking about, it cleaves pretty closely to the, the, uh, the Edgar Allan Poe story. Yeah. Literally right out of the story. And we'll get into it when they start finding, you know, the bodies of bodies in the chimney. So yeah, basically Morocco knocks on the door and, um, you know, Camille walks over and says, Oh, um, you know, I think, I don't, I forget if she says, Oh, Pierre, or she's like, who is it? And he says, right. I think she says, oh, Pierre, question mark. And he said, yes, opens the door and it's Morocco. Yes. And then which is like so freaking creepy. He's trying to get her to come with him. And right. so it's like, and you know, no means no Morocco, right? Come, right. Well, um, come with me to come with me to a cafe. Eric is waiting in the carriage. Like, I, Eric's I, waiting in the carriage. It, it just so shows good. like how far, how far gone this guy is. Like if he's yeah. trying to convince this young woman to come with him to do whatever, to speak to him in a cafe or go back. Don't tell don't tell this poor girl there's a there's a gorilla. There's a gorilla waiting, waiting carriage, for you in the carriage. Waiting for us. And the three of us are gonna go and have <laughs> coffee gonna, together. Like <laughs> the guy is some, so far gone. Like, have a, we're gonna go have a beignet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he reminded me of like Dracula. Like he is yeah. he's like it's almost alien. Like he is so on like so disconnected from humanity. Like yeah, he doesn't yeah, even know yeah. what he's he doesn't even know what he's saying. He really doesn't know that that everything he's doing is is really working against him rather than for him, right? Um, so, so that I should say, now we kind of get into the part that's more the thing. So he goes down back down. She, she, she tells him to go away, locks the door. He goes down, goes out again. Here's the carriage with the gorilla in it, just waiting for him. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, and, and Camille is, you know, crossing herself there again. There's that shot that you were talking about with the crucifix and yes. she's like praying and stuff. She's a very, very, uh, she has a lot of faith as a, as a character. Um, and then Morocco's like, okay, <laughs> He and Eric are outside and he's like, okay, Eric, here's the plan. You go up the, the drain pipe. Um, yeah. Uh, wow. It's, it's, just, it's so good. I just, I love it. It's fun. I mean, it's like you know, not quite King Kong climbing the empire state building, but it's, you know, Eric climbing up this little apartment building in Paris and enters Camille's room. And, you know, she wakes up, hears a noise, wakes up from a you know, sleep and sees Eric screams and faints. And that alerts somebody who we had mentioned. So she lives with her mother. Right, right. Who is equally beautiful and young and whatever. So mom comes in and there's definitely some kind of a ruckus. So yeah, like you'd mentioned, this is right out of the Poe book where they find, you know, a woman ultimately dead. So spoiler alert, Eric kills the mom and yes. basically stuffs her body up into a chimney. Up, up the chimney, yes. And that's that is that is in in keeping with the thing. Although I, I will say in the in the uh Edgar Allan Poe's story, it turns out it's an orangutan, but you know, hey, um, but it is, I mean, think about it, like the guy wrote a story about an orangutan who kills people. It's such a crazy, crazy. Well, I know with the story, I think um, I hadn't read in a long time, but if memory serves me, the orangutan basically is watching his master shave, I think, right? He's got like a, a blade and he's trying to mimic his master. Yes, with his blade, yes, yes. And then ultimately turns into like a killing a killing orangutan. He ends up like slashing people. Yeah, right, like, right. With the capitating. It's really yeah, bloody. He's, he's, trying, to emulate his, he's yeah. trying to emulate his master with, with the razor. Yeah. I don't know. I think he died. Does the orangutan die at the end of the, the book or the story? I'm going to have to reread the story because um, because otherwise, you know, he could go on and have a few more adventures. I feel like he did. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the knife-wielding uh, orangutan man. It'd be great. Um, oh, my God. Uh, meanwhile, while this is happening, uh, Pierre is back in his uh, apartment slash laboratory, um, uh, and he's he's figured out the, the the mixture of the cells that have been introduced in the woman's blood that have killed her, and, da, 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 and he figures out it's, it's gorilla blood. And he's like, oh, it's gorilla blood. Wait a minute, gorilla blood? 
like like it takes him just a second and then he's like oh shit <laughs> he's really good like this novice I, like i know what's doctor. happening here yeah yeah but I mean, he figures it out i mean he does, he does. solve the mystery you know he's got a cool no little he's got a cool little book too with like a blood cell of like a gorilla blood cell and he's like yeah oh, yeah, Eureka. yeah 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 i'm sure so, it's completely anatomically correct um uh yeah uh uh there but there's a great there's a great nosferatu moment we were just talking about nosferatu where where Camille is laying in bed and you see this the shadow yes. of a hand goes over, yes. except instead of Nosferatu's claw hand, it's this furry. Yes. Hand. So it's good. Awesome. So but good. there's no way, you know, this this comes out. There's no way that's not a nod to Nosferatu. It's great. We talked about the long look the literal long shadow yeah. of, of a film like Nosferatu, and there it is. Of course um, it is. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Pierre, I guess, is, you know, oh, Eureka, he's figured it out. So Immediately runs to, I don't know, he starts connecting the dots, right? So Gorilla Blood, Dr. Morocco, Eric rushes off to Camille's apartment. And by yeah. this time, God, there's all kind of all, all sorts of shit going on. So yeah. um, he and the police kind of arrive at the same time. They break down the door and find nobody in this apartment. And this, this is, again, another scene that kind of goes back to the book where we have the you know Italian guy, the German guy, you know, yes. basically being interrogated by the police. Like, well, we heard voices. And the Italian guy is trying to convince the police it was a German voice and German, the Italian voice, and it's a Swedish voice, blah, 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 blah. Right, right. Everyone thinks they know what language was being spoken, but it's always a language that they don't themselves speak. So it's a, well, it's a good it's, mix of... It's Because it's the gorilla language. It's this, yes. this made up, right. you know, whatever language between Morocco and Eric that they right, heard. Right, right. right. Yeah. So, so, so they're all brought before. So, so, so they discover the women are missing. There's an, an inquiry. They get an inspector down there. All, and all this stuff so it's a great it's a great chance for universal to have like a lot of it's like great character actors uh uh in, you know in a scene together and they're all and it's a little lighter and funny if if there's if there's a problem i have with the scene it's that that now we're in the third act and it should be really exciting and and the whole movie stops and it has this kind of you know fan service moment of you know being true to the to the to the post story and it kind of kills the, the 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 tension except i guess it works because look like like du- dupin knows what's happening but he has to wait to be interviewed by this by this this detective guy and he has to sit through all these other jokers talking to the detective. so so it's frustrating he's like we gotta hurry up right mm-hmm. you know we um, just keep but, saying it right the, the longer we wait the more chance you yes. know, someone else is gonna die yes. and then the, yes. the cops like well how do you know someone's dead you know blah 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 right. so yeah ultimately you know they kind of stop poking around they open up whatever it was and they find um camille's mom you know dead in the chimney yes. and you know kind of they deduce at some point actually so in her hand was um gorilla hair right right so right there's finally, a moment where they 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 suspect dupin and they're going to place him under arrest right and he's like no wait look it's gorilla hair and the the inspector's like oh you're right which i don't know how the, the inspector knows this gorilla <laughs> hair, but that that's that's all good um anyway. yeah um you can imagine i mean i'm just going back to like uh the moment of like imagine waking up in your bedroom and there's like a gorilla in your room. I mean, I'm I'm a huge animal lover, but that would be really freaky. That would be. I mean, there, there there's something that strikes a chord, right? Of like a wild animal. You just wake up in your bedroom, and there's a wild animal in it. Right. I mean, you're right. You're in your bed. You're in your most. Um, yeah, you're vulnerable, right? Yeah, you're, you're most prone. You're, you're, you're most vulnerable. You're right? in your Jimmy Jams, and you know, suddenly, <laughs> what do you what do you have next to you that you're going to defend? Especially, I mean, if you're an older woman, I mean, what are you going to use? And so it's it's terrifying. And so Poe really, it. I think I think the movie does well to retain that one element from the original Poe story because that is the core that gets to that gets to something very primal 
I think that uh, in our in our fear factor, um, this idea of like suddenly suddenly there's there's something in your room and stuff. You know, it's great. Definitely a trope that's been repeated many 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 times. Right. Over yes. The years. Yeah. Absolutely. From every 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 possible thing to poltergeist to anything, it's the thing you can't reason with. Right. It's like the Terminator or anything. It's like you can't. You can't try and like it's not like a, a a burglar that you could maybe possibly talk to and you know get away from and stuff. You can't reason with exactly. It's like Jaws, yeah. The horny gorilla, man. <laughs> He's coming. He's I appreciate coming you throwing. I appreciate you throwing that in there because it is true. <laughs> it's, a, it's true. We got to remember that this this gorilla is horned up and he wants a mate. You can't reason with a horny gorilla. I uh, didn't write this. I didn't write the script. Don't blame me or, or Jim. Like we are just repeating what we saw on screen. We're just interpreting. Um, That's right. That's all. So this, I mean, I guess truly act three are in, you know, basically yeah. on the, you know, very last stages of this movie here. So we're back and Morocco's abandoned house with Camille and yes. he's run whatever tests he's had to run. He's done the, you know, the back and forth blood tests and Camille's blood is perfect. Right. Because she's not a streetwalker. So she doesn't have syphilis. He's, he's, you know, he's excited. And, and Eric right. is quite excited. He's extremely excited, sexually frustrated, but very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely a pre-code thing. Sydney, Sydney Fox laying on on this thing and not much, and what she's wearing is pretty thin and yep. and transparent. Is very like like yeah yeah. A couple of years later, this this scene isn't doesn't happen. isn't getting shot at least. It might pass the sensors, but it's not, it's not getting shot. Yeah, wow. I totally have a you know fanboy geek moment because these shots all over Morocco's place, right from Frankenstein. I love oh, yeah. it. It's the you know obviously the dungeon where the monsters capped. Um, you know, like the cage, like where Fritz goes in and he's whipping it's, the monster. I mean, it's, this and is it's the, that tiny window. It's like they it sort is. of repurposed it and, and shoved it, it in the corner there. And and that's where Janos is is uh, uh, looking out and he sees um, the 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 uh, Pierre and the gendarmes coming. Right. I have such a geek moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you know, at some point, Janos kind of falls through the door, and that's it. Looks like the door en- in entering into like Henry's laboratory. It's yes. it's so fun to. You know, define these repurposed sets, especially yeah, in a movie yeah, yeah. that's so loved like Frankenstein. Right. No, no, exactly. And this is only, you know, a few months after that. So there you go. Um, uh, but the setting's great. I like the gendarmes. I like their hats and the, you know, so I mean, basically this is it's like it's like this is happening sort of while Les Mis is Les Miserables is happening, right? So there's this kind of like <laughs> meanwhile over here. Right. You know, exactly. Well, the barricades are happening here, and meanwhile on the other side. <laughs> Jean Valjean and 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 uh, and everybody are having their adventures and stuff. And and meanwhile, there's a horny gorilla. Um, I love it. Uh, the the ending happens kind of quick. Where it happens fast, where, man. Where you know Morocco's like, okay, I'm going to let you go, Eric, and you're going to come over here, and we're going to do this kind of thing. And there's just this moment where he's like, hang on. <laughs> yeah, I think he's t- he's taking them out to either take his blood or something, and yeah. Eric just kills him like that yeah, fast, yeah. guys. That fast. Yeah, it it, ha- it happens before you realize what's happening and it kind of like you know um and i think i mean it's emotionally satisfying you get it like so so i think what what's the idea is that eric eric's decided to cut out the middleman right is <laughs> in, that it like in, now in, that eric in, knows in that he, oh right exactly now that eric knows he has a mate he doesn't even need morocco and he just kills yeah. him yeah yeah it's like what do i need you for now and you're you're just the thing in my way and in his uh bestial mentality he's like well i'm just gonna but it, but it's you know they the filmmakers and flory and everybody they do a good job of setting it up in that in the beginning when he eats uh camille's when he steals camille's hat and pierre tries to get it back he attacks pierre so there's yeah. this idea of like this is just what eric does is if, if you're a man in between him and and the female he wants he's gonna go for it and, and it's just it's like primate behavior like i mean he would yeah a, if there was another gorilla he'd fight a gorilla and it and it just happens so that that a human being is much more breakable than a gorilla so, yeah so the fight doesn't last long that's a great way to read it yeah i mean yeah. to me it would have been 
maybe nice to have a scene like because Morocco was never, um, you know, mean or vicious. Like he wasn't whipping Eric. He wasn't. And again, I'm thinking yes. like going back to Frankenstein, like Fritz with the monster. You can right. you're with on the monster side when he hangs Fritz. Right. This is yes. not a scene where like Morocco is, you know, misbe, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He know, mistreating Eric. Eric, right? Eric is his friend. It, it, so it's kind of sad. Like Eric kind of kills his friend. But um, I think but, it, but, I think you're right. Yeah. He's standing between him and his mate. And that's just the yeah. animal instincts. The 20, 20 gorilla instincts. But but you also don't even uh, you kind of don't have that moment even in in uh, Captive Wild Woman where where you know Evelyn Anchors is there and 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 uh, John John Carradine is you know and there's a moment where with Paula with with the the gorilla woman where she's just like just looks at it and just undoes the lock of the cage it's like is it this easy um, <laughs> it it there's a moment where you you are how do I say this as the the filmmakers there's a moment where you you're ahead of the story and you're like, Oh, I know it's going to happen. And then it happens. And it's very satisfying. This is just sort of happens out of nowhere, but okay. It's okay. But yeah, now we get, you know, Pierre being uber proactive. So we've got Pierre, we've got the police at the doorstep of, you know, Morocco's abandoned building. And this is where, you know, Pierre runs and grabs a gun from the cop. And, you know, basically it starts this really cool rooftop scene where everybody, all the human characters are on the ground level. And we've got Eric who in Camille draped over his shoulder jumping from like rooftop to rooftop so it's a really neat scene and again like i said before something that wasn't originally shot but you know for whatever reason they actually i think it's because of the success of frankenstein that you know the studio now is really flush with money and went back and wanted to you know add i think it was like twenty thirty thousand dollars more to the budget and i think you're seeing it this is like the rooftop scene i think was a lot of the reshooting that's interesting okay i i that's an interesting it's because it's this is tough stuff. I mean, they, they have to build all these sets. A lot of the stuff is special effects stuff. It's rear projection or it's a, a backdrop. And then a lot of it is just stunt stuff. I mean, there is, it. I, I believe it's probably Charlie Gamora in, in an ape costume. It might be a stunt guy in, in the ape costume because it looks a little different. I'm not sure. Um, but he's carrying a dummy. It's not actually, you know, Sydney Fox. Um, but uh, but the dummy has to weigh a certain amount. It's a pretty good dummy. You can kind of see it's a dummy, but it's it's actually good. the dummy from Frankenstein. I don't yeah, right. They just, just put him in a dress. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm Recycled. Kidding. It's it's it could be. Um, that's not that's not going. That's an ongoing joke, by the way, listeners. So yeah, guys. Any any dummy, it's always a, it's always a Frankenstein dummy. It's our drinking game. Do a shot mm-hmm. the, when the dummy shows up. He was um, typecast. The dummy was typecast in Frankenstein, so he can't get any other roles besides being a dummy. So took, there took is. so much abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he's running along these kind of like roofs of this, you know, these mansion roofs, these Second Empire roofs and stuff, and and it's very high up off the the ground, and then and then shimming along up a, a pipe or a pole. Um, kind of crazy stuff. I mean, yeah, it's almost like know, a zipline, and I want, yeah, yeah, but it's visually very exciting, and I it mean, is very it's dramatic. Great. There's oh, altitude yeah. in. We talk about the verticality of, of these films and stuff. And, you know, um, they're high up above. You know, and and ironically, kind of, they, it ends up right on the roof, right above the river, uh, where this kind of climactic thing. So yeah, so you're right. Pierre grabs the gun and he chases him up on onto these these rooftops as he's carrying uh, carrying Camille away. Yeah, I don't know where he's trying to take Camille. I, I think it's kind of a King Kong thing, right? I mean, he's just sort of, which would you know, a year later, King Kong comes out and and you know has an ending that's not entirely different from this. One. No, it kind of climbs up for. Not really sure. Yeah. I mean, this instinct yeah. tells him like if you know, a gorilla in the wild goes and, you know, hides up in a tree. Is that what he's trying to do? I mean, who knows? I mean, if that's but, the yeah. mentality. Gorillas don't go in trees, but yeah. Okay. Sure. You know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a great thing and he's, <laughs> he's coming at Pierre and Pierre's just like, oh, Pierre doesn't kind of really want to do it. I, I, I think. Yeah. I think there's even an instinct in Pierre that he gets that, that it's not really this, this animal's fault. It's, it's 
you know, it's miracles, but you know, yeah. As Pierre, yeah. Pierre is like, he's certainly a proactive character, but he's definitely, he's a, um, he's a feeling animal. You know, he's not like he, right. His, were, his, his machismo is not dated. That's it. Like, like um, Otto Kruger's in Dracula's daughters. Yeah, Daughter. So his, he, he comes off just kind of like a bully, right? Right. He doesn't need a he doesn't need a gun to puff out his chest, right? He's yeah. going to use his intellect. He's yeah. just a nice guy. So yeah, right. exactly. Shooting this gorilla is not going to give him any kind of joy. Yeah, he doesn't take pleasure in it, but he's he's doing it to protect his his woman, man. Um, there's a great. I mean, so this whole final scene with this gorilla and and so so he drops Eric drops Camille and she she's holding on to sort of this railing at the edge of the of the thing of the roof for dear life and her. Legs are hanging over the side, and you know uh, Eric does this one last kind of like hands up, like coming at him. And mm-hmm. the entire background's a model; it's a little miniature that has been superimposed behind them and stuff. So Fulton really like. There's another reason I do need to get this on Blu-ray, man. I, now, now that you said that, because because uh, I'd really like to see that technique. It's there's a there's a lot of different techniques being employed in this finale to to sell this this rooftop fight, and they're all tricky and complicated and sometimes risky, but. Uh, uh, it's a great scene. It looks great. I mean, there's nothing from this rooftop scene that really takes me out of the movie. No. Nothing like you know looks you know really over, over the top artificial. Like, I am I am yeah. in. I am invested in this last yeah. scene. This, this, there's a there's a guy in a in a gorilla suit in front of a model. <laughs> it's just you know you're like okay. There's what what I love. I mean, nothing's real about it. There's not there's not even the pretense of being real because and and there's nothing real in a movie too. I mean, we're not we're not really watching anybody move in a movie we're watching 24 still images of somebody taken in sequence and when they played back our brain tricks us into thinking we're seeing someone moving but we're not it's the the whole of film is an illusion um and just it depends on how tricky you want to be with the illusion and how much of it you want to give away and 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 this film finds a great line of that i guess is what i'm trying to say so yeah he saves his woman you know shoots poor eric eric plummets down into wherever we've seen a million times and yeah, you mentioned it, you know, earlier we have kind of this, you know, this the send-off scene back in the oh, coroner's office, which is, yeah, this great is coda. pretty pretty fun. Yeah, great coda. Yeah, where where it were again the, the now the gendarme is is like they're bringing in Morocco's body and he's like cause of death. And he's like a gorilla. <laughs> they're just <laughs> thinking it's funny. Um ever so everyone in the, the you know, the, I guess the message is in the end, everyone ends up in on this guy's table, you know, one way or the other. Yeah, uh, Morocco's vi- victims did and now Morocco did. So it yeah, brings it it brings closure to it. It's really, it's an interesting, it is. It's, it's a lot of fun. I just, again, I wish, oh God, I just, I wish Flory and it's, you know, everything I've read on this film, it sounds like Flory. I mean, he had walked off this, off the set of the movie a couple of times. Like it seemed like this is not the script that he wanted to film. Interesting. Yeah. Like this is totally, I think it was the, the studio meddling and, you know, wanted something that, you know, Flory just didn't want to, to film. So it would have been, I don't, I don't fault Flory for the, um, you know, and people may love this movie, but I think to me, it, it certainly has its faults. And I think, you know, Legosi, yeah. the actors are better than the material. I think Flory is better than this material. I I, um, I agree. I agree. And, and, and I mean, it's, I, I think it's a very successful film on its own and you just wonder what, what it could have been, um, uh, you know, whatever. Um, the, the credit, the end credits are great because it, it does the Frankenstein thing, right? Where the good cast is worth repeating. Um, so cool. and, they, and they replay all the all the names and stuff like that. But yeah, um, Bella goes to getting second billing under Sidney Fox, which is we, we he'd come to I guess get used to that, right? Unfortunately, so it does it does 
it does pay to be Lemley's mistress. Maybe I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Literally. Um, is this the first time we see Lugosi as a mad scientist? I'd, I'd have to ask our friend Adele. Film, right? Adele, where are you? If you, yeah, if yeah. Let's, let's answer that. Let's, let's reach out a lifeline. I mean, I feel like if it's not the first, it's, it's a very early prototype of him in, in talkie films, at least. Um, uh, I'd being, say this, so. being this mad, brilliant scientist who's obsessed with his work to the exclusion of all else and it leading to its, his downfall. I mean, He's dude. He's still he's still playing this in in Bride of the Monster, right? <laughs> With Ed Wood in the fifties. I mean, it it's definitely a, a a a niche he he found that he could fill, and 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 it it kept happening quite a lot and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a uh, but it's great. I'm I'm so I'm glad we got to talk about. I mean, this is we're running running a little low on Lugosi films, so so I'm glad we we got to do this one, and and I I can't wait to do White Zombie uh, coming oh, out. There's another great 32 role of of his. One of my favorites, and yeah, just so so creepy, and you know, definitely started the. God, yeah, the whole zombie kind of the zombie movement, you know. Yeah, um, oh, that's gonna really be a fun one to do, and just it's such a pleasure to revisit Lugosi any chance we get. He is just yeah. such a pro. Such, I mean, a huge reason we're probably even doing this podcast was to just you know be able to capture a moment in time with someone like Lugosi. So just yeah, a total treat. Certainly better than this, you know, than the script is, but a fun movie nevertheless. Definitely, definitely glad we got to talk about it. Yeah, man, definitely it was a lot of fun. All right, thanks everybody. For joining the Borgo Pass Hard Podcast. We'll see you online and we'll talk soon. Next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. But the fun does not stop here. You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of Shadow Camera Film and Entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Poole. Opening and closing narration are by me, Kat Ahrens. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Podcast.